Now here, you see, it takes all the running you can do to keep in the same place. Lewis Carroll's Through the Looking Glass. Welcome to Podcast Wild. I'm your host, MK, and we'll be covering just about anything to do with outdoor sciences. Today's episode is episode 6, Off With Their Heads, and it will be discussing the Red Queen Hypothesis, developed by Van Vallen in 1973. This hypothesis boils down to the evolutionary arms race between species, and is most often applied to parasitism. It is also an important reason why sexual reproduction exists. The term arms race comes from, during the times of war or conflict, nations will try to top each other's weapons. That's why after the Cold War, we humans ended up with so many nuclear weapons. An example of this in the natural world involves two birds. The result is brood parasitism. First, you have the African tawny-flanked Prinia, and its parasite, the cuckoo finch. The prinia will lay a clutch of eggs only for the cuckoo finch to show up when the nest is unguarded. Then the cuckoo finch may destroy some of the eggs, will most certainly lay one of her own. The cuckoo finch is trying to trick the prinia into raising her chick for her. The cuckoo finch chick will starve out its adoptive siblings or kick them out of the nest. Either way, they make sure they get all of their adoptive parents' love and food. Most importantly, food. This act of deception can only work if the finch's egg looks like the perinas. So, the perinas as a whole have an incentive to have a unique looking egg, while the cuckoo finch try to copy them. If a perina lays a bluer egg, that advantage will only last as long as it takes for a cuckoo finch to start laying a bluer egg. Other examples might include noxious plants and herbivores. The herbivores may evolve to withstand toxins produced by the plant. If the plant doesn't evolve, then the herbivore would just eat them all. But the plant species keeps changing the compounds or the intensity of the toxin, then the herbivore has to change to adapt too. Now you might see why this might come off as just running in place. So what does this have to do with sexual reproduction? Well, to answer that, we must first know the difference between it and asexual reproduction. Asexual reproduction occurs when a clone is made of the parent, just the single parent. This can be seen in single cell organisms and multicellular organisms, like the whiptail lizard. There are quite a few benefits to asexual reproduction. One, for most of these asexual organisms, they don't need any interaction to reproduce which means that they don't have to waste time locating and securing a mate. Another issue is referred to as the cost of males. 
For the growth of a population, the number of females is a limiting factor. For example, if you have a herd of deer and there are five does and one buck and all get pregnant, then hopefully at the end you'll have five fawns in the spring. However, if you have two males and five females and they all still get pregnant, you end up with the same number of babies come spring. But if instead you add an extra female instead of an extra male, you get an extra fawn. With asexual reproduction, you will always give rise to an organism that can in turn give rise to something else. There's only one gender in this case. Another disadvantage comes into the representation of genes. With sexual selection, the parents' genes get mixed. You get half from the mother and half from the father. That means if you only have one kid, you can only pass on 50% of your genes. But with asexual animals, they're making essentially a clone of themselves. So barring any mutation, they are passing on 100% of their genes. Even in the lab, we can see that asexual reproduction comes out on top. If you take, for example, a species of stick bug that has both sexual and asexual reproduction, and you put them together, you'll find that as time passes, the population will start skewing more and more towards being asexual. Eventually, the total population will end up being asexual. So if being asexual is such an advantage, why are there so many sexual reproducing species? Well, that's where the Red Queen hypothesis comes back in. According to evolutionary biologist W.D. Hamilton and John Janicki, see, the faster a species can adapt, the more it can keep up with or even outpace its counterparts. That means that processes that speed up evolution are favored. One such process occurs with sexual reproduction. Because of the DNA of the offspring is a recombination of the parents, that means that genes can cross over from one family to another. This allows for new advantageous genes to spread more quickly through the population. This advantage is seen best with immune responses as it allows individuals to be more likely to have a new or novel genome that pathogens can't recognize and interact with. We can confirm the fitness provided by sexual reproduction by heading to New Zealand and looking at a study conducted by the University of Iowa's Deanna Sopper. The subject of the study was the New Zealand freshwater snail. These snails can be either asexual or sexual. They discovered that populations where there were only asexuals were heavily infested with a sterilizing worm parasite. When they looked at mixed populations, they saw that sexual reproducing snails were found in the same parts of the water as the parasite, but were absent in deeper waters. This shows that when the pressure of the parasite was present, sexual reproduction thrived, but in deeper waters, where the parasite was absent, asexual reproduction was still king. The fact that sexual reproduction is advantageous is seen in the snail's response to introduce worm parasites. They start getting frisky. They have increased mating behavior and an increased number of sexual partners. So what does this all mean? It means that even antagonistic relationships can drive species to co-evolve as one tries to outcompete the other.
we also learn that this conflict, especially with parasitism, is the reason why sexual reproduction sticks around. If you are interested in examining this further, I posted links to my sources on podcastwild.weebly.com. That's P O D C A S T W I L D dot W E E B L Y dot com. You can also find us on Facebook as Podcast Wild. Thanks for listening. Thanks for learning. We'll talk to you next time on Podcast Wild with Episode 7. Hear no evil, speak no evil.